All right, man. So lots to get to get into. And obviously got to talk about the tour, the new album. And I also kind of wanted to go over the past couple years, all this craziness and pandemic. And you actually kind of released two albums in that time. Let's fire up the DeLorean and go back in time to like March of 2020 or even shortly thereafter. You guys had put out What the Dead Men Say. And then shortly thereafter, you got The Hanger and then became the kings of live streams, which were really cool. But how the hell did you find time to do the album in the Court of the Dragon? Were there leftover riffs from What the Dead Men Say or were you? just that bored at home creating riffs daily about march you know we were in full swing you know doing all the promo and getting everything ready for what the dead men say to come out and uh, we had touring you know lined up to go to asia and uh the metal tour of the year was supposed to start like the end of june and we were you know had a full schedule you know ready to you know promote the record and kind of get back to it and then you know everything happened and uh you know everything got shut down like for a couple of weeks before what the dead men say came out. So everything was canceled and uh, we weren't touring. So basically it was like, you know, we don't know how long this is going to go on. You know, what if, you know, kind of threw out the idea of like, Hey, it's like, you know, we got this time off. Let's, let's go right. And, uh, you know, work on a new record. Cause who knows by the time, you know, we can get back to touring, you know, do we want to, you know, with everyone else going back out and touring at the same time, you know, you know, if it's like two years down the road or whatever, you know, at that time, you didn't know when things were going to happen again. So we're like, do we want to tour on a couple year old record or, you know, have something fresh to come out with and, you know, get a, get the ball rolling with something exciting and new. And uh, we just kind of went into a rehearsal spot and just started writing. You know, we didn't have anything really left over, you know, maybe a couple riffs here and there people had that we had written, you know, during the couple months after we finished recording what the dead men say. So kind of just went in with like a clean slate, you know, with a couple parts and just kind of built every song from scratch. And it was basically just a very uh, in the room collaborative, just kind of writing on the spot and kind of building things as you went along instead of coming in with like a full like song idea to work on. It was just very, just like start off with like one riff and just kind of see where the song takes you. And uh, it was great because, uh, you know, at the time it was like, no one was expecting a new record. So it's like, if we went in and started writing and nothing cool came out or we weren't really feeling it, then there was like, you know, no harm, no foul. No one's expecting a new record anyway, or new material. So it was just kind of like a, we had the extra time off and, uh, it was really cool because, uh, when we were writing all the, the new record, uh, we would have been on tour for what the dead men say. So, uh, it was kind of like, a best of the situation was, you know, who knows if any of these songs would have came out the way they came out or came out at all if we weren't stuck at home with nothing to do and just decided to write. We got something really great out of a a, situa- a bad situation. So, uh, you know, we're happy and, you know, we just kind of, you know, had the extra time off at home. So besides the record and, the, you know, all the streaming and everything we did, it was like, you got kind of like a reset where it's like, we would have normally been home for as long as we were, but, you know, having that extra time off at home, it was kind of like we had all this extra time to uh, do stuff that we probably, you know, kind of like bucket list stuff of like knocking some stuff out that we probably wouldn't normally have uh, had had an opportunity or the time to do. And, you know, the hangar was a project that, uh, you know, definitely was a pandemic project where we, maybe we wouldn't have been thinking about doing that at the time, you know, if we would have been so busy with everything else. So it was kind of really took advantage of the time. And, uh, you know, we, now getting back to touring and everything, you know, we have a lot of really cool stuff at our disposal to, you know, create in the future. So we're really happy with the whole, the end result is a, is a, a really positive thing for us. 
Absolutely. Dude, In the Core of the Dragon was my number one album of the year for 21. And I'm kind of curious, man, how uh, how quickly into the pandemic did you actually move into the hangar? Because I'm guessing that the hangar gave you the chance, like you said, to all four be in the room and, and practice and write out riffs and ideas rather than, you know, file sharing and sending files. Hey, check this out. You know, you guys all being in the room there, thanks to having the hangar. How about what time frame did you actually get inside the hangar and start having your gear and everything set up there? Um, well, we, we did the record and finished the record before we technically owned the hangar. Oh, wow. Uh, we bought it, or we got it all signed and everything in like late summer, probably early fall of 2020. And then it took up until like, you know, spring of 2021 to get everything built inside of it because, you know, it's just an empty empty plane hangar. So we had to build all the structures and all the everything inside of it. So we didn't move into like sometime in 2021 where we got our gear set up. That's started rehearsing everything. So when we started doing the live streams and stuff, so we haven't, we haven't written or had like any writing sessions technically, or, uh, you know, the next record is the the full on, like when the whole thing is going to be written and recorded in the hangar. So the, the next one will be the big, the big, uh, debut of, uh, new material from, you know, created at the hangar and all that stuff. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a great facility, you know, for being able to do everything that we do. You know, we've shot multiple music videos, live streams, uh, done all the photo shoots for the last couple of records, music videos, besides recording new music, you know, everything we've done the last couple of years has been done there. Great to be able to, you know, just be able to do everything we need to do in, in our own little spot. Yeah, your own little playhouse. Maybe you should call the next album The Hanger once it's all done. No, we got some ideas, but uh, it's uh, <laughs> be a little while. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a really cool once. You know, we're, it's just like a constant project of adding to it as we go. You know, there's definitely uh, we got the big part of it out of the way with the the structure and stuff, and then it's just kind of like taking on little projects at a time and building it up as we go. So the the next the next project we're working on is uh, outfitting and building the whole recording studio inside of it. So that'll be the the next big project to undertake and then have that all done and then uh, get that all squared away and then be able to actually record a whole new record. And dude, touching on the record, uh, one of the favorites on ton, a tune I've played a ton on the radio, Feast of Fire. And I heard a rumor that that was kind of your riff. Yeah, it was like a part of a part of a song. Um, basically, it was just like I had a song and the bridge or what became the main riff in the chorus was just like a bridge section of a demo and then we're messing around with stuff and our producer was like i really like these parts we should take these parts and make the song about these parts instead of it being like a bridge section and we just kind of rewrote the song in like 20 minutes and got cease to fire when we just kind of took two parts and then uh, we're like these are the main parts and we're going to write the song around it instead of these parts being uh kind of like secondary bridge section parts of a song so it was kind of cool you know it's like stuff that happens where you get a fresh year that can kind of like throw an idea at you. And then you're like, all right, well, it's like, let's try it. See what happens. And it ended up becoming a really, really killer song. So it's, uh, it's always, uh, it's always good, you know, to have, uh, bounce ideas off other people and try things as a, as a band. So, uh, you know, that's the whole thing. We always preach to people and ask for advice is to, uh, to jam and not, uh, not just create on a computer because you kind of, kind of miss out on all those like creative like back and forth with uh with people that so you can just when you're in a room you can just try an idea in like two seconds instead of like dicking around with a trying to move files around and <laughs> and all that stuff so yeah and josh wilbur's the, the, the extra ears you're referring to 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always uh, he, we always kind of get everything is close to you know a hundred percent or you know ninety five percent. You know the songs ready, and then he comes in. He can kind of give us a little fresh ear of you know maybe he hears something that at least we'll try it. You know even if we don't use it or something, it's always nice to have someone that's kind of throwing a, a different angle at you to kind of kind of get you out of your comfort zone or kind of think about something a little differently, and maybe that'll lead you to come up with something different on your own that you wouldn't have thought of without you know that person's kind of putting a little bug in your ear. So it's always good to have that that creative push. Absolutely. And dude, one other tune I wanted to touch upon, <laughs> The Shadow of the Arbiter. And, and obviously it's a trivium tune, but it feels a little like Ode to Maiden to me a little bit too. Yeah, like the whole bit of get, getting thing, it was, we kind of used Maiden as like a, kind of like a creative reference point of just like the building of an idea because, you know, we always, you know, all those Maiden epics, you know, there's a song that start off with like mellow stuff and it builds up and then it kind of like goes into like a more up-tempo, faster stuff. And we just kind of like took that kind of like song idea of kind of starting off mellow and building up to something more extreme, but kind of doing it in the trivium way than the maiden way. But, um, you know, Paul had that intro bass riff and he's like, Hey, let's write a song kind of using this bass riff I have. And then we just kind of wrote it from, from that part on and just kind of kept, kind of kept going with it. And it just kind of turned into a, a longer epic, but, um, you know, we kind of used like the, the maiden song kind of formula of the dynamics of building the song. But, you know, obviously it's, done the trivium way so that's definitely been a, a fun song to play live and we got a, a a new music video for that song coming out soon ah looking forward to that and dude could we talk maiden for a second i mean you've played with them before you were on tour we just saw you a few weeks ago uh in anaheim at the honda center with them is it still cool to get that call for iron maiden or is it kind of like eh, it's old news now or does the hair still stand up on your back when they call and say hey come play with us oh dude when any of your favorite bands want to call you up for support it's it's a great honor and uh it'd have to take something pretty extreme for us to have to say no to the opportunity you know we've done europe with them back in 2006 which was amazing and uh to be able to tour with them all these years later again you know you know it was amazing you know they're still one of the kings and uh you know it's always great you know we did you know tour with negative or two tours with negative and then you know after we did the first tour with negative we did a show with metallica in florida and then another tour with Megadeth and then uh, Iron Maiden. So it's like, you know, always awesome when uh, your favorite bands want you to warm the show up for them. You know, it's, it's always a great honor. And uh, hopefully that won't be the last time we play with Maiden. You know, we always, always love the opportunity. They're great. They always treat us great. Shows have been awesome. You know, the crowd, Maiden crowd was very, very welcoming to us. So we were very happy to, uh, to be on those dates. Did you get to uh, hang with any of the guys over over that tour? Do you have a favorite maiden tune or moment in the show? We we see those guys. Their their travel schedule is way different than ours. They'd show up, play, and then uh, take off right after their set. But you know, the, I think like the first show we played them, they or the second show I think was a bunch of the guys came in to our dressing room and said hi and happened to have us on the tour. And you know, we saw Nico quite a bit. He was always kind of like roaming around before the show or catering and stuff. So we saw him a lot. Steve, Steve would pop in and say, Hey, and you know, Bruce and those guys very, very briefly. Cause you know, they pretty much showed up like right before they played and were getting ready. So there wasn't really too much time, but you know, we got to watch the show and really wish they would give us a call. My favorite maiden record somewhere in time. So now they're finally playing a bunch of on their next tour. Yeah. 
that would be a call I would definitely be happy to get. <laughs> but uh, the set they were doing this time, I, I really like it when they play Blaze Bailey era songs with Bruce because uh, I feel like those there's a lot of stuff on those records that just because Bruce wasn't on it kind of gets massively overlooked as really good tunes. So it's always nice to hear them play those and see the crowds uh, really appreciate those songs. Because I know a lot of people that are Maiden fans that kind of just blow those records off as like not even bother. But those records came out when I was just getting into Maiden. So I kind of have a probably more of a softer spot for those records because I really liked them. <laughs> Makes sense. And really cool of Bruce to do that. I mean, you could you could see that he has the uh, the stature or whatever to say, nah, I'm not doing that. But really cool that on his part to, to yeah, I'll, I'll sing those songs. Why not, you know? Well, it's like, uh, I always tell people, I'm like, hey, it's like when you hear Bruce sing them, it sounds like a classic Maiden song. So it's like, yeah. the songs, like the songwriting on them are like, songs are really good. It's just like people just didn't really give him a chance because it was just a different singer. But when you hear Bruce sing, I'm like, yeah, see, it sounds like, like it could have came out of off a of classic 80s record. So. Totally. Could have came off somewhere in time or something. Totally. Yeah. And uh, dude, I'm really looking forward to finally your headline tour, getting, getting a full set out of you. We got you in Southern California coming up November 10th at the Wiltern. And man, what a diverse lineup. I mean, you guys are a straight ahead metal band that can seem seemingly play with anybody and this lineup that you put together with between the buried and me and white chapel and chemist a sick lineup yeah yeah we're really stoked on the the bill you know we always like to find cool cool bands that we feel like our fans would really appreciate and uh you know i think our fans just know like you know when we do a headline tour we like to pick bands that we like and we think are really really good bands that we feel like people need to hear more and um yeah so we were really stoked when we were able to you know lock in all the bands and feel like you know Every band brings something different to the table, has its own flair, but everyone kind of has a lot of, you know, a lot in common, you know, has like, you know, an extreme side with the heaviness and also all embrace, you know, the, the melodic side of metal. And, but everyone does it in their own different way. So I think that really kind of comes together instead of, you know, when bands do like tours where like every band's like kind of coming from the same, same exact genre. And it's kind of like just, you're just bringing in all the same type of fans and i feel like you know kind of diversifying a little bit but everything makes sense you know kind of can bring in hopefully some trivium fans that maybe wouldn't have gone to you know this band or that band you know hear them and be like oh man it's like that's really cool i probably wouldn't have like checked that out unless i went to the show it's always nice to hear when fans say that they discovered a band and became a big fan of a band from us bringing them out on tour it's always great because we always want to champion other bands that we think are really good especially if like you know bringing out a lot of new bands we want to help them out and uh, hopefully gain a lot of fans from being on our tour which is always makes us happy when fans say they became big fans of a band because they saw us or saw them on on tour with us so that makes us happy you know kind of spread the word you know it's like we're all metal fans we want to spread good music to other people you know through touring and word of mouth so it's it's, uh, it's always great to have a killer bill and Shows have been really fun. We've have a blast headlining and playing longer shows. So it's been a it's been a great time. I love it, man. And looking forward to the show and kind of curious with like we've kind of talked about with the pandemic and two albums kind of back to back year after year. I'm sure that uh, you on a headlining set kind of feel like, hey, there's some some a lot of tunes we need to play off of what the Dead Men say and in the Court of the Dragon that mixed juxtaposed with also your big catalog do you just focus on the newer albums or do you still have to kind of set aside and go okay well we got to get at least one song from every album or, or are you just kind of focusing on the new stuff how do you put together a set list at this point i uh, would just kind of kind of figure out you know good balance you know we don't just play all new stuff but uh you know we have stuff from you know we've been uh rotating songs in the set so like we're trying to 
each each night's got a little bit of something different in there. You know, we have a couple slots where we have a couple tunes where we kind of flip flop and rotate. So um, we can get like some nights we might play one extra song from what the Dead Men say, and another night we might play a song from Into the Court of the Dragon, and then we have some kind of more deep cuts from like the In Waves record that we're playing, and then we're playing Shogun, which we haven't done in America in uh, quite a long time, almost ten years. Um, so there's a lot of a uh, lot of stuff that people haven't heard us play, and uh, you know, we're just trying to keep it interesting. You know, we got you know rotating some old songs in there, so it's definitely got a good balance of stuff. Kind of not just playing all the you know the obvious singles, kind of you know playing some some stuff people aren't expecting maybe. So uh, we always like that out of you know going to see bands that we like is not just like hearing the exact obvious you know big songs all the time and kind of kind of diving into the catalog because a lot of fans buy the records and listen to the records and. You know, there's a lot of stuff that even even if it's not a, you know, like a single with a music video, it doesn't mean it's not a song that's like going to be a big, big tune with fans. So, you know, every tour we do, we try to try to mix it up and throw in some stuff that uh, that we haven't done. You know, so we got a lot of a lot of material. So we like to play all of it. <laughs> yeah, I hear that, man. I hope, hope there's some love for the first couple albums, which I feel like are, are aren't getting shined upon as much lately. No, we do. Yeah, we have we have a song in the set from. Uh, from our third record that we haven't played in over a decade, so it's been going over great. Awesome. People have been loving it. Yeah, there's always, we always get the, we always try to at least get a song from some of the back catalog or some of those records. And, then, you know, obviously with playing a, like an 11-minute song, that kind of eats up like three <laughs> songs. So that's, uh, we, we always, uh, you know, next time we come back on a U.S. tour, we'll probably play a bunch of other different things from all the different records. So it's, it's always good when you have a, a catalog as big as ours, you know, Nowadays, you know, fans are always, they know that, like, they come see us every time we come through town. It's not going to be just the same same show that they saw the last time they saw us, because we'll play a bunch of different stuff that they haven't heard from the previous tour. So it's always always fun to be able to do that. I love it and looking forward to the show, and I appreciate all the time. Corey, the last thing I wanted to hit you with, uh, we're one of those old-school radio stations. We still do mandatory Metallica every night, which you're going to be a part of, and you had mentioned it earlier, playing with Metallica recently. You've done that over the years. I love that picture with the three of you and Kirk Hammett and, of course, Master Puppets cover on the Ascendancy Special Edition. But I'm kind of curious for you, is there a specific Kirk Hammett solo or riff that you love or, or one that just melts your brain or one that you were, you're like hitting Kirk and saying, dude, how do you do that? Just off the top of my head, without having to dive into like listening to the, the catalog, but a couple like solos that really jump out like right off the top would be The Shortest Straw, Dyer's Eve, and then also uh, from the Black Album, The Struggle Within. I always like those solos a lot. Awesome, awesome. Which one should we play for you for Mandatory Metallica? Uh, I guess I'll just, Short of Straw is a good ripper. Despite the lack of bass. Yeah, yeah well, it is what it is at this point. <laughs> they, 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 did the, they did the remaster, they didn't remix it, so I guess it's like, there's no hope now. <laughs> You're just <laughs> stuck, with the, stuck with what you got. But uh, yeah, it's a great record. Uh, you know, that song, uh, definitely probably one of my, my top favorite songs on that record. Regardless of the solo, you know, I just love that song. Good headbanger. Boom, look at you. You did it in one try. You are the best. Thank you so much for the time and the tunes, and can't wait for that Wiltern show, man. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Safe travels. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. 
Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety. Available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming online at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.